I don't know how your life has been the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, we were in Illinois last week at our niece's wedding, and that was, uh, that was last week, right? Yeah, I wasn't here last week. Yeah, okay. Whew, it's been, uh, yeah, busy. And so uh, it was a fun celebration being able to see most of my family again because most of them are in central Illinois, aunts and uncles and cousins and all of that. Uh, but it was a beautiful wedding, and they're a sweet couple. Uh, we did, uh, Jill did the uh, cupcakes and the cake for the wedding. And so uh, there's always those emergencies you have when you get there and you realize you've left the vast majority of the cupcakes in the freezer at the house in Kansas. And, you know, because we're all rushing, you know how it is. And, and it was like, oh, so then we had to borrow cupcake pans and she had to rebake a bunch of cupcakes. Uh, but it all turned out wonderful. And uh, yes, we were glad when the wedding was over and we could head home without any cupcakes or cakes in our car. So that was nice. And uh, right now, our life consists of, uh, hey, do you know where my blue shoes are? And yes, I do. I know they're in a box because I saw them. But which box and which of the 35 boxes in our garage is that box? I don't know. But we'll find them eventually. You know, that's, uh, and it's like that every day. So somewhere out there. Ooh. Our house did close in Spring Hill, and our house closes in Sabetha uh, Thursday of next week. So we're looking forward to having that done and being able to be settled. My life is also a lot of mowing. Uh, we have almost a full acre of grass, and uh, my father-in-law will mow two-thirds if I'll mow a third. Because I have a push, and he has a riding. So I push a third, and he mows two-thirds and just whips it out in like half the time it takes me to, to push the... But it's good. They tell me I need the exercise, so we've been also taking off a lot of wallpaper in the house because it was a, it's a 1998 build of a house, and it was decorated with wallpaper right about that time, so there's a lot of uh, deep purple and green and pink flowers and floral stuff, you know. Uh, so doing a lot of, uh, I'm doing a lot of waxing on, wax off type stuff, you know, from uh, when I was a kid, using muscles I didn't know I had. Um, and uh, we were using this handheld steamer. I don't know if you've ever taken wallpaper off. Uh, it, it comes off in layers, a lot of, a lot of like the uh, bad teaching or demonic activity in your life. It comes off in layers, so does wallpaper. And uh, sometimes it, you have to heat things up uh, in, in the Lord too. But uh, so we were having this handheld, and it was just a lot of, and then scrape, 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 and then, and it was taking us hours just to move a little bit. And then a good friend called and said, you know, they make this really big industrial size one, at, and you can rent it. And uh, sent me the link to rent it and sent me some money to rent it. And now, man, I was just like, I am a, I am a wallpaper machine right now. And if anybody has wallpaper they want taken off, don't call me. <laughs> Dear Lord, but it is coming off. And I'm also... Uh, I'm uh, trying to take up golf a little bit. Uh, I'm not that good at it. I've been invited to play golf, and so I'm trying to practice a swing. Um, so you can be praying for me about that. And I did have fun this week. We put up peaches. Uh, there was a lot of trees in our area that just, my niece had a whole tree full of peaches. And so we went out and picked them and then let them get soft. And then we spent like three hours 
you know, cutting them up and freezing them and stuff. So, yeah, we're going to freeze. So we have fresh peaches. It's just fun. So uh, maybe one day I'll bring a peach pie here. I like cold peach pie, not, not the baked kind, but the cold peach pie. Yeah, yes. So one day I'll, I'll bring peach pie to you guys. Amen. I know I'm all over the place, and that's okay. I will get to preaching. I do have a word for you this morning. I do want to uh, share just a couple things. Uh, one is more of a serious, and then I got a couple jokes, and then I will preach. Sorry, let me find it here. I saw this online. I thought it was really, really good and informative. It's real simple. It says, the spirit of offense will give you the ability to hear things that were not said. Let me repeat that. The spirit of offense will give you the ability to hear things that were not even said. And uh, that's where we need to be careful when we have offense or wounds in our hearts. We will often hear things that the person did not even say. They did not imply. They did, uh, we infer things they never implied. Uh, we hear tones that aren't there. And it's because our heart has a wound in it. So we need to be careful when we're in those situations not to be judgmental toward the person or not to build greater walls and to have people we trust who have the honesty to be able to, to, be able to say to us, that is not what was said to you. That is not what the person meant. That wasn't the heart. And we need to then begin to go to our own hearts and say, okay, what is what's really going on here? Okay. I'm upset with the person, and because I'm upset with the person, I'm hearing what they're saying as wrong. And that's a key to breakthrough in your life is understanding how offense leads to greater and greater offense. I just thought that was really interesting and liberating, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. Now for two jokes, and I'll save my better one. I shouldn't take, I take too many pictures. Sorry. Got pictures of the dog and chicken eggs. Wallpaper, there we go. Okay. Did you know that KitchenAid recently released a brand new kitchen appliance? It is an 80-pound stainless steel block, and it's specifically designed just to take up space on your counter. How many of you have appliances that you bought, used once or twice, and they're just sitting there? Well, they're just going to alleviate it. They're just going to give you a block of stainless steel. Okay. Anyway, how about this one? This is uh, dealing with younger daughters. I have three daughters. So uh, daughter, she calls and she says, hey, do you know that gladiator me- uh, movie that I got you on, on DVD? And I, yeah. What well, would you wind it forward one hour, 16 minutes, and 28 seconds? Okay, I've done that. What, what you need? Well, do you see the gladiator that's in front that's fighting the lion? Yeah, I can see him. Okay, so just behind him, there's two more gladiators, and they're having a sword fight with each other. Okay, yeah, I see them. Well, just behind them, on the left-hand side of the screen, there's this woman gladiator standing there holding a spear. Okay, yeah. Well, do you, do you see her? Yeah. Well, do you see her sandals? Yeah. That's the kind I want for my birthday. <laughs> Okay, honey, if you can find them on Amazon, send me the link. Ah, bless the Lord. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into the Word. 
We are in the book of Nehemiah. I want to continue to, to share with you what I began sharing uh, two weeks ago, and that is on our podcast if you wanted to listen back to it. It's called uh, Apostolic Prayers, or Prayers That Are Powerful. We're in Nehemiah chapter 1, and I want to go ahead and pray over the word this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are always with us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. Man, we so love your presence, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness in each of our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you even for your correction, Lord. Thank you for bringing us through painful times, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you walk with us. Thank you, Father, that you reveal the plans of the enemy and give us ways out. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful even when we aren't faithful. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us this morning and reveal more of Jesus. Lord, give me the words to get it out, Lord, in a comprehensive way, Father. I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you, Lord, for ears to hear, hearts to receive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So two weeks ago, I was sharing about uh, apostolic prayers or prayers that change uh, nations that make a difference. And it's when uh, the Lord moves upon your heart, you, you uh, are touched about a situation. You've seen it the way the Lord sees it, and you have a righteous standing, and out of that, you begin to pray. And again, I shared that two weeks ago. You can pull it up on the podcast if you'd like to. But I want to go back to Nehemiah 1 and just touch some more on this to bring some more uh, clarification to it. Help me, Lord, to get the words out in English. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning with uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 2. So uh, Nehemiah is there, and his brother comes back from visiting Judah. And he asks his brother for a report on everyone that's there those that survived the exile and what's going on in Jerusalem. And his brother says in verse 3, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The remnant there in the province, so these are believers these are people who, are, who have trusted in the Father, who are following, okay, the remnant there in the province. They've survived the exile. They've made it through, but they are in great trouble, and they are denote, what denotes them is shame, okay? They're downcast. They, they can see their situation. They're ashamed about their situation, The wall in Jerusalem, it's completely broken down, and the gates are destroyed by fire. So when the Lord begins to to move upon your heart, he will often bring you to a situation or to a group of people or to a a place where you can look out and you can begin to see uh, the condition of the flock, the condition of those that are around you. They might be family, and it might mean that you grew up among them, and you've had to step aside out of your father's household 
to see change and, and, and experience a different way of thought so that when you come back in, you begin to see your family in completely different eyes. And you bring to them a new way of thinking, a new way of life. But it begins with that heart for the flock that's there. We don't see the flock in judgmental ways. If we do, then we've shot ourselves in the foot. Remember what I told you two weeks ago about righteousness? We come to them in the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus is me understanding that I am broken, that I am unworthy, that I am a sinner that is saved by grace. And in his righteousness, I come to you so that when I relate to you, I relate to you that you're just like me. Not a judgmental, hey, I've come to rescue you from yourself. Holier than thou. These people were in such a condition, they were broken down, and they were denote, what denotes the, the word, he said, shame. Now, shame, you know, is that thing, that a mindset that causes you to no longer look for a situation, no longer look for a solution to the situation. You would rather just hide the situation because there is no answer. I just don't want anyone else to know about it. That's what shame does. Shame causes you to put up artificial walls socially so that you block people from being able to see who and what you really are because if they knew, you are afraid that they would not accept you. Because you have no solution, I can't find a solution, so the solution I have is to block everyone out. And shame becomes a prison because you have to live within those walls A few years ago, I, I was doing my, our genealogy for our family, and I came upon a weird situation back in the late 1800s where my great-great-grandmother, one of the greats, um, had a child, and there's no father listed. And the father that was listed uh, later on uh, wasn't even, uh, you know, wasn't around in that area when, you know, it was just one of those weird things, so I called one of my great-aunts. Uh, it would be one of my mom's, uh, my grandmother's first cousins. So uh, she was a, she's an older woman. And I called her and I said, hey, you know, do you know anything about this? She goes, oh, Matthew, we don't talk about that. And I said, really? I mean, you know, this is like 1890. This isn't 1980. This is 1890. You know, this is a long time ago. You know, are you sure? She goes, oh, well, if I tell you, you can't tell anybody. And I was like, okay. And it come to find out that one of the brother-in-law, her sister's husband or one of his brothers uh, fathered a child who was my great-great-grandmother, you know, down the line, the child. And um, it was just this whole big mess in the family back in the late 1800s that still is affecting the family today. So we're related to this guy. And through, through genetics, through DNA, I can prove I am physically related to him. I've got DNA of his grandmother on the other side of his family, right. you know, that I'm not related to. I'm related to this guy, but they don't want us at the reunion because that would bring shame upon the family that some guy back in the 1800s did more than what he should have. Okay? My point is shame sometimes builds up these walls that completely restrict you from just walking in the freedom of forgiveness. Yeah. 
because you can't cover that sin with the blood of Jesus because we don't talk about that sin. We don't deal with this issue. And so these people living in Jerusalem, these people are living in this situation where the walls are broken down, they're overwhelmed, they don't see victory, they don't want to talk about the problem because they can't find the solution. If they can't find the solution, you can't bring the solution, so I don't even want to talk about it to you. I'm ashamed of it. Don't bring it up. Shame is actually almost a pride in the failure to find a solution. It's not humble. It's not, okay, anybody else, anybody help me? Anybody want? Can anybody? You, you understand what I mean? Because shame says, I don't want anyone to know. I want to pretend that I look better than what I do. Not understanding that every single body out there has the exact same stories in their lineage. Everyone does. I have not met a single person that Satan did not mess with. I haven't met a fa single family line that Satan did not mess with. Bringing in all kinds of garbage all over the place, in the family line somewhere, I haven't met, besides Jesus, of course. But here on earth, as a pastor, over these, I don't know, 25 years of counseling people and talking to them and having them tell me the, the stories of stories to the, and them that was like, this is devastatingly shameful what has happened to me or, or what I did. Or, and I'm like, well, actually, I wish I could tell you, but I won't. But three people, three down that you sit next to on Sunday did the exact same thing. We all do things. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So don't let shame keep you from walking in what Jesus has for you. And so these people needed a Nehemiah to come in and go, enough with the shame, let's rebuild the wall. Let's bring a solution to what has hindered you from moving forward. Now they had two major things that had happened to them because of, because of the shame and the situation. They couldn't make dis, uh, simple decisions and move forward. And they need a Nehemiah to bring them to that place. The two things they had were their walls were broken down and their gates had been burned. Let's start with the walls. The walls are broken down, meaning they have no boundaries. They're wide open. Anybody can do what they want to them. They have no protection. They lack the ability to say no. They don't have grounds to say no. There's no walls. The enemy can come in like a, like a whirlwind, and it just rattles them. Their houses shake. The wind blows. There's nothing to stop anything. See, walls are important. The Garden of Eden had boundaries, both physically, because we saw that they were removed from the physical boundary of the Garden of Eden, and it had the a scriptural boundary of don't eat from this tree. Everything else you can, but leave this one alone. It had the spiritual boundary of this is a no. See, boundaries are important, and you'll find that when you live in shame, when you are broken down, when you are beat up, a lot of times there are boundaries that you have not set, that you have not uh, stood for, that you've allowed the enemy. And the enemy knows it, and the enemy takes advantage of it. So he runs, he runs all over you in these areas because you haven't known the boundaries. 
And so you begin to get counseling or you begin to talk to people who are who you see as healthy and Nehemiah comes to you and says, you need a boundary. And it hits that shame factor. And you're like, whoa, I don't want to deal with that or that hurts or what about this or that doesn't work or, or you, all the arguments begin to come up. When you begin to humble yourself and begin to build those healthy boundaries and figure out how to walk in those then the enemy can stops at your door. Because you say no more, Satan. I don't care what they do. In my house, it's not coming. What you did over there is between them, you, and Jesus. But in my house, it is not coming in. That's a boundary. Boundaries show that you love Jesus and that you can receive his love. If you do not have boundaries because you're just the servant of all, that is, that's not correct. Good, healthy boundaries are fine. Having boundaries and being able to lay them out. But you see, they didn't have boundaries. They needed a Nehemiah to come and to reveal to them boundaries. Because they had no boundaries, their gates were burned with fire. Gates are places of authority. The city gates were the places of authority. And if you did not have gates, if you had no way to stop the enemy, your authority is gone. Now, often our authority is uh, questioned, it is shaken, it is met when we go through difficult seasons. Isaiah 43, when you walk through the fire... You will not be burned when you walk through the flood. You will not drown. It doesn't say we don't go through difficult seasons. Jesus says in the world you're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It says that in the midst of that, if you keep your eyes on me, you can maintain your authority even in the midst of the storm. And the fire does not burn down and scorch your gates and you lose your authority. The way you get burned is you get offended at God, you get offended at other believers, you put a hand to them, and you say, uh-uh, no more, and you turn from being, uh, from breakthrough, every fire leading to a breakthrough, to the fire leading to bitterness. And Satan comes in, and he just burns your authority out. And you lose your ability to say, not in my house. You lose that authority because you're offended now. And you no longer have the, okay, because of you, Jesus, I can say this. Well, I don't, I'm mad at you now. So now I have no authority. And he just comes in and takes advantage of it. Satan always wants to get you mad at God. Because if he gets you mad at God, you've cut yourself off from your source. He wants to get you mad at those that love you, the people around you, believers. Because if you get mad at them, you cut yourself off from the ability to hear counsel from outside your circle. And then he'll work on getting you mad at you. Because if he gets you mad at you, you'll be open and acceptable for any garbage that he wants to throw in your life because you deserve it. That's the way Satan works. So Nehemiah comes in and he's sent by the father. The father so loves the people that he raises up Nehemiah's to be sent with messages of hope. You can build your wall. Now you remember if you've read the book of Nehemiah, who, who, who's read the book of Je Nehemiah before? 
So most of you have. So the book of Nehemiah, he goes down there and uh, he comes up and he says, okay, guys, we need to rebuild the wall. This is what needs to happen. Everybody's going to build where they live. Nehemiah didn't come in with a construction crew and come in and rebuild the wall himself and just say, you guys just sit there, enjoy yourself. I'm going to build this wall and you guys are, it's going to be great for you. Nehemiah came in and said, okay, we're going to build the wall, grab a shovel, each of you grab stones, grab cement, and build the wall right next to your house, and in a jiffy, we can have this thing up and going. And in four months, they did. Because everybody worked right where they were. They took responsibility. He just encouraged them and spoke hope into the situation that God is bigger than the situation you're in right now. And if you look to him, you can build this wall that's around your house. Because it's your wall. It's your boundaries. It's your authority in Christ Jesus. It's your righteousness because of the blood of Jesus. It's your relationship with Jesus. All I am is a Nehemiah. I can't do it for you, but I can loudly and as long as I can with every breath I have encourage you to pick up the stones and build the wall around you. Grab the nuggets of truth about Jesus. And when I walk by and you're using peanut butter instead of cement, I can say, peanut butter will not last. That's the wrong thing. This is the truth that you need to to build with. Nehemiah gets that heart. See, he was sitting there and he heard, man, these people are in a bad situation. Now, Nehemiah, remember, he is the uh, wine bearer to the king. So he is uh, right up there next to the king, all authority. You imagine the opulence that he just is surrounded by. You know, the opulence of that time period. It would have been opulent because they would not have known our opulence. So to them, it would have been opulent, you know. Okay, it's all relative. If we're all millionaires, then nobody's a millionaire. Okay. So he's there among this, and he hears about these people that are living in poverty, broken down, Terrible situation, and he doesn't go, well, how dumb can you be? What is their problem? Don't they know who they are? Haven't they ever read Isaiah? Don't they know the promises of Deuteronomy? What is their problem as I go about in my opulence? Nehemiah didn't do that. Nehemiah went, oh, dear Lord, how do I reach them, Lord? Oh, Lord, how do we bring to them to help them get the walls built up? How do I motivate them to see and to break through out of the shame into the life you have for them, Lord? Lord Jesus, are you not the one who cares about them, Lord? Are you not the one who died for them? Are you not able to? You get my point. Nehemiah does this, and then he's like, okay, okay, Lord, this could cost me, but if this has even cost me my job, I'm willing to go to the king and carry it to the king. You know, we know what happens in chapter 2, but Nehemiah didn't know what happened in chapter 2. He went there when he said, "Uh, give me favor in front of the king. It was because I don't know what this guy's going to do. He may just cut my head off. This guy is not a believer. You know, it wasn't back when, you know, I have my bill of rights and I can sue you and all of that stuff. That didn't exist. This was just you were either in his favor or you were not in his favor. And if you weren't, you didn't want to be. You know, I mean, it was, a, it was gone. And he had to make that decision. Am I willing to put it all on the table, Lord, for these people? 
am I willing to lay down my life for these people? Do you see the picture of Jesus in Nehemiah? Do you see the picture of you walking with Jesus as Nehemiah to your ats? It's a beautiful picture. And Nehemiah says, okay, Lord, am I willing to do this? Yes, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me to do it. Why again? Because one, he knew his righteousness. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't go with me, if I don't go with you, Jesus, I don't want to go anyway. You know, I don't want to stay here if you're there. I'm willing to go where you are. Two, he'd seen his heart. Man, I feel for these group of people. I feel for them, Lord. I feel your heart. And guys, it's not your heart that you're feeling. You're feeling Jesus' heart. He like touches you. And you're like, wow. Crazy, Lord. This burden that I have, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make logical sense often. But I want to see it, Lord. I want to see it. And then he's like, okay, it's the willingness. Am I willing to give? Yeah, okay, Lord, I am. I'm willing to lay it down. Here I am, send me. That's that Nehemiah heart. That's that apostolic movement of Jesus in the world around you. Again, apostolic is not the apostle, capital A. It can be. There are people that are called to be apostles, with a capital A. It's an office, just like there's people called to be prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. That's the, all five of them in Ephesians 4. But the apostolic movement is simply obeying the being sent by Jesus. Apostle means to be sent. So if you're apostled, uh, like when Jesus sent out the 72, in the Greek is he apostled the 72. He sent them out. The Great Commission Go ye therefore into all the world. You've technically been sent, all of you. And it's moving from that stage of, I exist in my Christianity for Jesus uh, to save me. That's most important. Then I agree, uh, exist in my Christianity for not only to be saved, but to walk in a prosperous life. And then it is, okay, Lord, I exist in my Christianity because I know I'm saved. I know you're going to prosper me. Lord, I, I want to pour out. I want to help those around me. I want to see what you see. I want to help. I want to, I want to be sent to, to the world around me. Now, again, clarify, I'm not talking just about ministry. I'm not talking about all you guys becoming pastors or missionaries or evangelists or all that. I'm talking about wherever or however he has sent you, go there and be a light in that area. And do it the best way to the glory of God. All your work. Be the best you can be. The best darn mailman you can be. Carry the light of Jesus as you're carrying the mail. Right, Jason? I know you're not, you're not carrying mail anymore, right? But you're in the office now. But you did for years. You carried the mail. And you carried Jesus with the mail. You know? To the best of your ability. I know probably you had bad days at times. And, and we all do. But to the, the point being... As you're doing the profession that the Lord has led you into, carry Jesus into it. Be the best accountant, numbers guy, and carry Jesus there. How do you carry Jesus as an accountant? You let Jesus be your peace. You let him be your joy. You let him be your love. You love on your coworkers. You love on your clients. 
You're real. You carry Jesus as you're dealing with all of the numbers. Nehemiah is a calling specifically to an area. Some of you will get uh, different levels of Nehemiah calling, different levels of apostolic prayer that you'll be praying based on how big your heart goes with the area. You may be looking at your family and you go, okay, Lord, most of my family is not saved. Most of my family is in a mess. You know, how do I do this? And the Lord says, first, I'm going to give you a heart. You're going to see. You're going to see what the root causes are, and we're going to begin to pray about those root causes. And then you begin to carry the love of Jesus into those root causes. Humbly serving Jesus left the riches of heaven to take on the poverty of earth so that you, through his poverty, might receive the riches of heaven. Being the best, what, what grade are you teaching now? Are you still teaching? Um, kindergarten through eighth grade. Ooh, kindergarten through eighth grade, gifted. Just loving on the kids, being that light, just being that stability to them being that extra mom when needed, and dealing with the issues. It can be very practical, guys. Jesus has called us to be Nehemiah, called us to go into where we are and just bring Jesus Jesus loves to go out. You know, Jesus doesn't want to be trapped here in the church building. Jesus isn't something you put on as you're entering the church. Okay, I'm putting on my I'm a believer robe. I'm going to walk in. I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. Yes, yes, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. Okay, as I'm leaving by a fellow believer, taking off my believer robe, rolling it up and sticking it in my trunk. Because now I'm just a whatever. Man, Jesus is like, hey, can I go with you to work? Take Jesus to work day. I don't think you'd like my job, Jesus. What do you mean? I love people. Well, there's language there. I know, it's not like the first time I've ever been cussed at. <laughs> Recently, uh, I, I can tell this because Vika's not here. But Vika, Vika, just, uh, <laughs> Vika just got a job at the golf course. And uh, her boss, uh, I don't think is a believer. We haven't figured it out yet. Just by some things that have happened, uh, she's, she's unchurched, non-religious, very non-religious. So she may be a believer, just very young or whatever. But anyway, uh, she cusses. And uh, we've been around people that, I mean, cussing doesn't affect me. Uh, and so then she found out Vika's dad is a pastor. <laughs> and I hate it when that happens because people change. And she pulled Vika in and she said, I am so sorry. And Vika's like, for what? She said, well, your dad's a pastor and I've been cussing around you. I am so, and she's like, you know, Vika's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it, you know. Just sharing the love of Jesus and the practicality of where people are. You know, we don't, we don't do those games, you know. We're just going to be real. We're going to be real. Nehemiah. Jackie, you're a Nehemiah. 
You're a Nehemiah. You carry Jesus with you everywhere you go. You're a Nehemiah. And you're helping people to break out of the prisons of shame and the things that hold them back. Michelle, you're a Nehemiah. You know. Mm-hmm. Linda, you too. Mm-hmm. And the guys, I know I'm just saying all women here, but guy, guys, you are too. <laughs> you're Nehemiahs because you carry Jesus. And Jesus is a wall builder. He helps to set people free. I could go on in my sermon, but I, I, I don't want to convolute this point. I don't want to add more to it to confuse it. You're a wall builder. You know he's sending you to be a wall builder, right? Yeah. He is. That's why you're going home. I'm talking to Mary. That's why you're going home. Because you've, you've stepped out of your family culture, you've been radically changed by Jesus over years, and you're carrying Jesus in a way just to serve and be a wall builder and build up that city. It's very purposeful what the Lord is doing. And it's costing you because you're like Nehemiah, you're having to go, okay, Lord, I'm having to lay down all that I love, my job, my family, my church, I'm laying it down, I'm putting it at the table, but Lord, I'm willing to go. Yeah. Totally. You're wall builders. You're Nehemiahs. And the enemy lies to you. And the enemy works to try to say, you're not qualified. You can't do it. You're dysfunctional. You've got enough problems on your own. You know, all the, all the lies of the enemy. And the answer to all of those is always, but Jesus. Yeah, I am. I am a mess. But Jesus is the one that does the work anyway. Yeah, I am unqualified, but Jesus is the one that meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what do I do, Lord? Well, if you just spend some time quiet with me, I will show you, I will give you my eyes for the situation. A couple nights ago, I... I, uh, I've been having bad dreams. We moved into a new area, so a lot of times the, the spiritual area is a little bit different, and I've been having really stressful dreams, waking up, just things sitting on me, uh, heaviness and stuff, you know. And I wake up, and I feel it, and I go, you know what, this is not what Jesus has for me. And so I get up, and I pray, and then I break through, and I realize I get back to the right, right thinking, and it, and it leaves me. You know, and I'm like, that's not what you have for me, Lord. I don't have to sit under this. I used to put up with this kind of junk for years because I didn't know that I could. It would jump on me, and I would be, like, devastated for weeks or months, discouraged, overwhelmed, ineffective, living in my shame or whatever. And now it's just hours, minutes. Come on, Jesus, show yourself strong. And then I'm like, okay, Lord, I've got all these situations that are heavy on my heart. People, by situations, I just mean people that I worry about, that I'm concerned about. You know, what about this person, Lord? Can I, I want to pray for them. What is it, Lord? How can I help them build the wall? How can I help them break through? Bam. One word, you know, a little bit of, of insight into what I can do, what I can pray about for them, the revelation they need to come into 
how their site needs to change. Because, you know, you, you're not going to build a wall. I can say, hey, vote, family, build, build the wall by your house. But if they don't look at it and see that there's a wall that needs to be built, that's just me just saying, hey, build a wall, right? I mean, they've got to look out and go, wow, yeah, there is a wall broken down. And yeah, Lord, you are big enough to do that through me, even though I've never built a wall before. That faith has to rise up in their heart. So there's preemptive prayer that's going on. Lord, I pray for this person that they would not only see the broken down wall, which they probably see and they're ashamed about, but see how you can help them to build the wall up. So that when I say, I see a beautiful wall there, beautiful wall. I see the stones all put together, held together great, and then plastered over and then painted bright purple. Because I know purple is your favorite color. I see that wall there. And then they look out and they go, yeah, I can see a wall there. And I say, then go for it. Jesus is with you. And they're like, yes, there's a stone. Whoop, I'm going to put it right in place and let's get this going. You all are master builders through the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul said that in the book of, of Corinthians. He said, you know, I, I built this beautiful thing, but it really wasn't me. It was the grace of Jesus in me who caused me to be a master builder, great at construction. I wish I had, like, your gifting, you know, construction-wise, because there's so many things in my house I would look at and go, okay, I really want to put a wall there, but the thought of me putting a wall there and having it being wonky, I, I just not got to do, and I can't afford to have somebody come in and do it, so I'm just going to live without the wall for right now. But through the grace of Jesus Christ, you can be master builders. It's a matter of getting in there and putting in the time, building the walls till you get good at it. Building those walls, building people up, pouring into them, fasting, praying for the situation that you're seeing. Because you're seeing situations. Your hearts are moved by things. It's spending the time. Okay, Lord, I'll be the Nehemiah. I want to see it. I want to pray about it. I want to trust you. Noise, noise, noise. Okay, that's a distraction. I don't need to deal with that because I'm focused on the wall. Hey, you want to put it in a pizza restaurant? No, I don't want to put it in a pizza restaurant. I need to focus on the wall. You understand where I'm going here? There's a lot of distraction. And so you need to sometimes cut down the distractions of what you're seeing and hearing. People will bring you all kinds of burdens, but you need to focus on the wall the Lord has given you to build. You can deal with that stuff later if it's still needed, but I've got to build this wall. This is what the Lord has told me to do. This is what he has equipped me to do. This is what I am called to do. I've got to leave those things behind. You are all wine bearers to the king. You bring the praise to the king. Now, by wine bearers, it's W-I-N-E, not W-H-I-N-E. And if you are a W-H-I-N-E, bearer to the king, you're not getting anywhere. I encourage you to turn from whining all the time and begin to bring the praise of the fresh wine of the Holy Spirit to the Lord. Begin to bring that praise and say, okay, God, I'm tired of whining about this situation. I want to begin to talk to you about what you want to do about it, Lord. The whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. Not on my watch. <laughs>
I'm going to connect with Jesus until I'm out of here. You know, uh, if we focus so much about how bad the world is, we're really looking at the broken down walls and saying, man, all these walls are torn down. I might as well just give up and put better locks on my door. Is your family worth the effort? Are your coworkers worth the effort? Is your community worth the effort? Is your government worth the effort? Is your church worth the effort? Whatever it is, whatever you see the wall. I think Ben's not here today, so we can talk about Ben a little bit. But he saw the need and built this organization that has the gardens, the Kansas City Gardens. And just the effort of taking care of the need, of bringing fresh vegetables, he built a wall there. He saw a need and he built a wall. And he brings fresh produce, fresh products to people who are in need. So they have healthy, good food. He brings the love of Jesus to them in a very practical way. You're Nehemiah. Do you see the wall broken down? Yeah, yeah, you're Nehemiah. The wall broken down, what is it? What is it the Lord asking you to do right now to begin to rebuild that wall? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful congregation. Thank you, Lord, that they reflect you. They reflect your heart. Lord, you love them. Father, you laid your life down for them and you rose from the dead for them. You poured out your spirit upon them. You've empowered them, Lord. You've given them your grace. You've said and declared over them your ability to bring them into victory, to make a show of the enemy in their lives. Lord Jesus, I pray, whatever is holding them back, Father, begin to bring them into the release of it, Lord. If there's shame, Father, let them, let them expose it, Lord. Let them expose it to those that love them around them, that it can be covered with the blood of Jesus and just be done with. Break them free, Lord. Lord, help them to see the broken down walls and begin to build them. Jesus, I know it's your heart. Lord, let your will be done on earth in each of their lives as your will is done in heaven. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus that settles all arguments. Amen and amen.